0: Gee, I never thought I'd say this about a TV show, but this is kind of stupid.
1: That's going a hey, bit police cops!
0: Hello, and welcome once again to more like The Worst Wing, the show where we, in 2019, take a look at Aaron Sorkin's seminal television classic, The West Wing, from a bit more of a leftist, modern perspective and critique i'm Stu,
1: and i am dave
0: and together we are exploring two episodes in one go today because as it stands the plot lines within the first one bled right on over the break into the second one and so this ended up being more like a 85 minute long multi-episode arc correct yeah
1: yeah, so you get two for the price of one in this particular <laughs> delicious you. episode of the worst. We
0: watch, thing. we watch them. You listen.
1: <laughs> we do the work, so you don't have to. Uh, so, this, well, as the episode is entitled, "The Third State of the Union," you can guess that the framing device for this entire thing is Bartlett's third State of the Union. Wow. So now we have, we have <laughs> I know. Shocking. Holy shit. Uh, we have an official timeline. We are now in year three. Uh, specifically the State of the Union in year three. Uh, so if you track it back timeline-wise, I guess you can figure out exactly where the show started in his term uh, at some point in the first year. But regardless, uh, the the framing device is all about the speech itself, uh, particularly Sam and Toby preparing for the speech, and then the, sp- uh, the delivery of the speech ent- happens entirely off-screen, and then the rest of the framing device is the dinner uh, reception for after the speech.
0: Yep. And so we get, basically, the, the staff sort of splits into multiple, um, really, teams, plot lines, cruise. teams, groups, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that work out certain things all in the context of it's before the State of the Union, it's measuring the response to the State of the right, Union. Right, there's
1: polling. Yeah, that's, that's a huge part of this episode is we get a return of Joey Lucas and the polls, 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 and the poll plane. <laughs>
0: yep. The whole plane's flying she, she, she into town. Snork,
1: she snorks and borks right into the <laughs> West Wing.
0: Right. So um, what we'll do is basically we'll do a real quick recap of sort of that plot quick, mm-hmm. and then we'll break it out into, because there's a couple very distinct issues that emerge across the plot of the two episodes. Political so, issues, yes. Yeah. So basically we get, um, at the outset, we get uh very dynamic intro and shot of like oh we're prepping the speech oh we got three minutes oh we got two minutes is he ready mm-hmm. to go is he ready to yeah, go they're making
1: they're making changes at the last second uh based on like calls coming in from from congressmen saying yes okay i i am for the blue ribbon commission
0: yeah and then Stuff we get like that we get a very stereotypical spinning camera two shot here on toby and sam as they're like doing the hard work of democracy to hammer out how to be bipartisan in the speech because they are proposing and they're clarifying at the last minute that the speech will address the, and I quote, future of entitlements.
1: Oh boy. (laughs) That's a word that should get your hackles up every time you hear it. (laughs) Uh So yeah, this is an episode that Sorkin is really sucking off the concept of uh, a writer and a speech can change the world. Uh, because of course that's how he views himself so to- toby and sam get nothing but uh the hero treatment in this entire episode yeah, through throughout accolades throughout
0: so yes we roll out of the cold open in the first one basically the bartlett does the mr speaker the president mm. of the united states and like walk out roll the roll the credit music whatever um
1: sweeping orchestrals.
0: <laughs> and then we get a shot after that of Joey Lucas coming back into town because Josh is running polling on how the state of the union like how the president performed in the state of the yeah. union so
1: yeah Josh would drive a poll plane into your house um <laughs> yes. do not let Josh run your polls he's very bad at it he's very uh, uptight it's, about it it's kind of it's played for comedy and it's good comedy i'll give it credit uh, where he's just kind of, like, insanely nervous about it. And you can tell it's part because he's nervous about the polls and part because he's romantically nervous about Joey Lucas rolling back into town. Um, and Bradley Whitford plays it well, and it's all very cute and funny uh, and whatnot. But, yeah, he's upset. Like, do, do they have accents? Do they have gum? Uh, talking about the the poll callers who are going to be on the phones.
0: Well, and, um, yeah, I mean, if we can go ahead and talk about the fact that the whole Donna... Joey Lucas and Josh thing is in full force for all oh, yes. fucking eighty of these goddamn minutes. Oh, it,
1: it gets quite insufferable. When I was talking about the good humor part, I was talking about him freaking out about the polls and not all the Jana yeah, Donna with, Josh.
0: Inside of Josh's Joey. character, it's very funny. Bullshit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're going along, um, and then sort of quite well, we we learned that they're doing the capital beat um like the c-span show right from yeah, inside okay. the white
1: house let me take a, a quick beat here to talk about capital beat uh it looks like the fictional version of crossfire it's mm-hmm. like the worst both sidesiest kind of bullshit where they would have on like a climate change scientist and then a climate change denier and let them talk at each other and go wow both sides really make great points here well that wraps it up for capital b <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, it's, 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 awful, it's very, but, uh,
1: but it is recording live from on location from the white house. Uh, and many of our characters, particularly Ainsley Hayes, uh, have big important parts on the Capitol Beat show within the fiction of the show.
0: They have crammed a lot of female guest stars into this episode. Like I mm-hmm. hadn't thought about it given that there were all, they all had their individual part to play, but having Ainsley, abby who will meet charlie and joey lucas back in one episode is Mm -hmm. is very heavy you know for the show
1: and i think it works thematically particularly with abby's plot line which we Mm -hmm. haven't even talked about yet but we will get into as that's one of the (laughs) bigger the bigger parts of the two-parter um so
0: we get abby we actually we so we see abby for the first time okay basically reviewing the speech from her bedroom with a with a frowny face on like a deliberate sort of like Stone wally she's not thrilled. Lally, she's not thrilled <laughs> type of affect, and then you know we Charlie bops in and out, and we cut out to you get a capital beat segment with CJ, who then in you know kind of um learns that one of the people that the president highlighted during the State of the Union. So I guess this is actually right, another right, generic right. framing thing: is that we figure out that things have gone wronger in the State of the Union internally then the pollsters would be able to find out. So the fact that Josh, Joey and Donna are obsessing over polls plays against the dramatic tension that we figure out from the other characters that things have actually not gone as swimmingly as they might expect.
1: Yeah. Problems, problems cropped up.
0: So the first Uh, one, the first
1: one is, yeah. So she takes a moment to tell the host that like, Hey, if you can like wait 40 minutes on this story, uh, I'll give you like a big scoop or something. And the story is that uh, a a cop that the president specifically called out and highlighted during the state of the union speech uh, has a very black mark on his record of a police brutality incident against a young black kid.
0: Yep. And And
1: And the media is about to find out about it. And CJ wants to try to spin it as best she can before it becomes a big story.
0: So the interesting thing is we never, we never are told explicitly why he is highlighted during the state of the union no. it's something yeah. to do with a school they they reference yeah, maybe, an elementary like he school. got a
1: big he got an award or like a commendation i'm guessing or something like that or and he was he like of all the police officers in the country he was just happened to be the one the president picked to use as, as an example i'm guessing like that's the implication
0: i yep. think yep and so that's problem the first with the speech and it's sort of alluded to um at the dinner uh, do
1: we want to bring up that this police officer is played by uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. So, jump to conclusions. It's a, it's a
0: jump to conclusions, Matt. So uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Man.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't take him seriously the entire time. Uh, if you've seen office space, of course, you know who we're talking about. And he's, he, he tries his best to play this for all the drama that it's supposed to have. You know, there's some real pathos here that they're shooting for and i'm just giggling because i'm picturing him getting t-boned yeah t-boned in the street after trying to kill
0: himself (laughs) well so and then the actor's name is richard Reilly. he's in (laughs) he's in several things but he's never really back to the level of mojo that he had playing todd smikowski in office space so if you haven't seen that movie go watch it it's the most like perennially appropriate film ever released 20 years ago
1: (laughs) he's one of those guys who i would have just said hey it's that guy every time he showed up in anything but office space defined him as he's the guy from office space yep um uh, taking another quick comedy beat here to say that as you pointed out there's a herald or whoever who announces everyone at the after party not in like <laughs> a regal sense of like oh look the deputy communications director of the white house samuel Seaborn, but uh more in the rodney danger field hey everyone sam seaborne <laughs> yeah
0: hey let's dance <laughs> so uh, and it's very funny and, and it happens twice it happens with him and toby um as yeah. they come in because you know, Aaron Sorkins Sorkin himself off here about a yeah. speech <laughs> so that's good we we get a couple shots inside the dinner, um, you know, cut back and forth with capital beat, and then the mm-hmm. there is a crisis that is starting to unfold in Colombia that Leo is pulled out of the dinner to go assess in the situation room so. We learn that there are some DEA agents that have basically been kidnapped and they're trying to figure it out. We will dig in on that a little bit more as we get into kind of like the actual issues segment here. For now, yeah. you'll get this a couple... This episode's p-
1: going to run a little long and yeah. that's fine. You'll get uh, a couple a people
0: coming in and out of the Situation Room and going back to the State of the Union without sort of um, tipping their hand. That's something bad. Right, They're trying is They're happening. trying
1: to keep it low-key. Um, definitely. Yep.
0: So the next person who gets to go on Crossfire or Capital Beat is Ainsley Hayes, who is yes. back in this episode. Um,
1: oh, oh, is she back? Um, yeah. <laughs> she, she gets a lot of fun uh, plot line. Some a little problematic at times, but uh, ultimately with a very funny conclusion, I would say.
0: Yeah. And so they actually, I can briefly digress about this. She, she endorses a line that the president delivers during the State of the Union about school uniforms
1: yeah of all things of
0: all things he goes after that and ainsley's like well we may not be sure it's even legal and the host is like don't you work for the white house she's like well i'm just a lawyer i've never met the president
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's uh uh she's does they give her great great stuff to work with uh and she does excellent job with the material she's very charming throughout the whole episode uh, so you get like she's selling you know she's like this is all such a big deal for me
0: <laughs> and she takes on like a childish joy about yeah. like, meeting the president like going on tv get this adrenaline rush that sam warns her about but it's really funny so ainsley yeah. gets a little bit of comedic interaction here we cut back to the the after dinner a little bit we get toby ziegler getting the rodney dangerfield <laughs> treatment. hey
1: everyone toby <laughs>
0: And then we start hearing more about Donna talking to Josh about asking Joey Lucas out. So right. That, All right. Do you want to that,
1: unpack this now?
0: Yeah, let's let's do it because like I don't want to talk about it again. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's
1: unpack it real quick. So so Donna is in constantly as soon as she realizes Joey Lucas is coming to town, she keeps pushing Josh to be like, "Hey, you should ask her out. You should ask her out. You two keep flirting, you should, you should like ask her out. And Josh is kind of like pushing back on her, of like no, like or I'll do it on my own time, or or kind of stuff like that. And and even Joey is who is you know notably deaf, as played by um, Marley. Marley, Marley, yes, thank you. Uh, even deaf Joey is is <laughs> wise enough to pick up on the subtext going on here. Of clearly Donna is into Josh and is like doing this go ask out Joey thing as a way of kind of displacing her feelings.
0: Yeah, and it seems again—it's very childish. It's, it's 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 the Sorkin sexism rearing its, it's head like here he th- like, he, ha-
1: he still thinks girls work like in middle school, you know, where like you pull their pigtails or something.
0: Yeah, and you 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 sort of expect with the last interaction that we had with Joey Lucas being sort of actually a very uh, like played up as a sage, like right?
1: She gives advice to the president. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. And yes. so the way, it, the way it plays out this time around, and we will not go into it because it goes all the way through the second fucking episode, is that like <laughs> Joey ends up almost internalizing the idea that Donna is trying to get Josh to go out with her because she likes him. And it goes over as her being sage and giving advice again, but it just strikes me as embracing like this horrible like undercurrent of gross middle school misogyny that's yeah it's just like women are they they don't acknowledge the um agency of either of, of these each other of either of, these of woman characters
1: <laughs> right <laughs> like does can donna not ask out josh herself if she truly wants that must we doubt donna's motives like
0: clearly the
1: characters think we must
0: yeah like could could joey not just like be a professional and fuck off
1: right or whatever it is we have to we have to unpack all of this like while we're while we're in the white house like yeah
0: and okay sure if that's your dramatic element great congrats on writing a television show for teenagers Right, but.
1: it's like worse than office. It's like worse than the office level kind of like Jim Pam Roy, yeah. like Triangle and that was a comedy show. <laughs> like
0: Yeah. So yeah. That, so other... that's
1: that's our thoughts about that. <laughs> um let's this segment's going a bit long, so let's take a quick break okay. and then we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll cover more. Okay. And we're back. Uh, so let's continue more about the Ainsley plot line. So uh, I forget why she gets promised that she's going to get to meet the president. I because think like she did, she did good work or it's just been a while or I think something like
0: that. Sam has taken somewhat aback when she admits that she hasn't yet. And it's right. just like, let's arrange for it, I guess. But he'll like come right. and say hi at some point.
1: Right. Uh, so yeah, so Sam's pulling a nice move here of like, Oh wow, you've been working here for X months and you haven't actually met the president. Yeah, let, let's resolve that. And so Ainsley, as we said earlier, is very like giddy and super excited about this. Uh and is kinda like fangirling out. Uh and it's very adorable. <laughs> and uh Well so So then Yeah. Well yeah, when the actual moment happens, kinda like everything goes comedically awry.
0: Yeah, so she ends up doing these interviews and Sam warns her it's like you did you're you're killing it on TV like you're going to be feeling these adrenaline highs just don't go drinking like at the dinner or whatever mm-hmm. and of course she cuz you're
1: already be high on adrenaline yeah. right
0: and of course she ignores him <laughs> and gets like a drink has a drink made for her and then all of a sudden like we're wandering around or whatever and Sam goes down to find her in her office and she's in a bathrobe <laughs> because she sat in wet paint which is something that happens with cj earlier in the episode there's there's a running joke about there being wet paint in about the about the wet paint thing right um, but you know you yeah. know
1: this is a kojima's like you'll be ashamed of your words and deeds kind of thing of like i just wanted to put her in a bathrobe <laughs> god <damn> it
0: <laughs> so conveniently in a bathrobe with her hair down like disinhibited because she's Very been drinking sexy. just creepily sexualized yeah so sam walks in and is like what the hell's going on? And he's, she's like, come dance with me. And then, (laughs) and then the president walks in and she like goes, and throws her drink over her shoulder. (laughs) Big pratfall kind of moment. Yeah. And and Bartlett comes in and basically, and to be fair, Martin, she does an extremely funny job. of This recites the words (laughs) that Sam suggested that he say to her, like, I thought we hired you because you're a Republican sex kitten, but clearly you're not. Even though she, you know, is, drunk dancing in a bathrobe with his you know his speech writer whatever right and it's just like it 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 works comedically but it works as a
1: joke obviously and the, but then there's this subtext to it that's very uncomfortable and the
0: initial promise of the character we are led to believe is setting her up to overturn that stereotype right but in the but in the course of further integrating her into the show it ends up just embracing it which drives me fucking crazy
1: yeah cool there will be another moment regarding Uh, this and ainsley later on in fact several moments i think (laughs) well uh, where they kind of fail her in this exact same way that we're talking about right now oh yeah they
0: do more they do more slapstick with her later in the episode where they actually like they resolve the president i meant in future episodes but yes
1: also this too Uh, Yeah. So she she's like, okay, well, now I'm going to go into Leo's office and we're going to do the presidential meeting the right way. I'm not drunk. It's the next day. (laughs) You know, we're gonna We're going to have this out. I'm freaking out a little bit. So I'm just going to go to the bathroom real quick. And she gets up to go to the bathroom and walks right into Leo's, like, room closet, essentially, yeah. <laughs> that he has in his office, closes the door beside, behind her, and uh, and Leo's like, uh, that's not the bathroom.
0: Well, and the president comes in the room, he's like, where's Ainsley? And he says, she's in the closet. And he's like, why is she in the closet? And yeah,
1: she thought was it was the bathroom.
0: <laughs> and then he goes to the oh, door so. like, you want to come out now? And she's like, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is a good line about something like, so you're telling me I can't do this, but she could pee in Leo's closet.
0: <laughs> yes. And so it's all of this comedy works very well, but again, it, it, it inverts our expectation of how the show should be treating her as sort of like the avatar of, you know, right.
1: It's, it's fine for her to fangirl out about meeting the president and everything about like the, you know, throwing the drink and whatever. It's just like, why did you have to like creepy sexualize her and have her like get drunk and flirt with <laughs> yeah. Sam? If, yeah. if nothing else, then Sorkin is vicariously trying to live through Sam and thinks that when he wrote a big speech, uh, women would, should throw themselves at him.
0: Yeah. So mercifully, the kind of the, the slightly weird sexist shit with Donna and Joey and Ainsley resolves nicely by dint of Stockard Channing, reprising her role as Abby Bartlett in this yes. episode.
1: Yeah. She does some amazing work. Um, they give her a lot to deal with a lot of meat a lot of real like character stuff a lot of a lot of range of emotion she has to go through you know uh like that's particularly when she has kind of her big confrontation with uh with her husband in, down in the kitchen yeah. um that's in part 2 or at the end of part 1 End of
0: part 1 and then they end go part into one. like her just being pissed off like just kind of right. generic. so now once we find out why so right go
1: ahead. so yeah uh well Abby's Abby, you go ahead, actually. Well, so I think you have a better handle we, on this. We
0: know Abby's a medical doctor, um, and we know that we know, most of the people in the show do not know, that the president suffers from, you know, recurring, remitting, multiple sclerosis. Um, right. So, tagging on to what happened in the last episode, where we have the, the weird handshake with Toby and Leo being like, we just formed the committee to re-elect the president. Right. We see Abby being mad, for reasons that aren't explained initially,
1: in the right, first episode, uh, just mad at the speech. Yep, mad at the know, speech, and, and so and it, we don't really know. Yeah, why, we do But know then it why. becomes clear.
0: So it becomes clear for two reasons. One is that, to her great credit, she is pissed off that he's basically being a triangulating jerkbag by invoking yes. this entitlement reform language, by talking about the not talking about the Violence Against Women Act. All this like super good shit. She is running off towards about. the center. Yeah, so she's pissed off about that. But the reason less so being that her personal politics, although they do cleave to that side of the spectrum, it's the implication that him doing that means that he is going to run for a second term.
1: Right, and, and that... we find out that th- that they had a deal of like, hey, you have MS. If you run for president only doing one term deal deal like they, they had a deal basically a verbatim that and now he's breaking his deal
0: yep and she is not having it
1: yeah she's <clears> not <throat> thrilled and uh as i said before does really good work like very intense i think this is the this is the kind of stuff that west wing is good at these like really intense character moments where you know, and it's just as good as, like, sort of any character drama you, you'll you see out there. You know, I'll give Sorkin credit where credit is due.
0: Absolutely. She's um, just fuming the entire time. And to also their credit, like, we get to Righteous see... Righteous
1: fury, I would call yeah. it.
0: And we get to see the the interaction um, of, their, of the personal side of their relationship. Like, yes. the fact that she can compartmentalize enough to be like, you have a crisis to deal with go do that. We can fight later, but I'll be right. goddamned I, if I'm going to like handhold you right now because I'm mad. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. She like she does does walks this great line of like I'm mad at you. I still love you and I'm here to support you and whatever, but like but we're going to have it out at, at you know, we got to talk <laughs> about this.
0: And having <laughs> having felt that specific sense of dread that the president, I'm sure, is feeling at some point with my wife several times in the past. It is the it's least... It's the ultimate we need to talk. It know? is the least pleasant sensation in the world, so...
1: When Flotus is telling you we need to talk, it's like, oof.
0: You know it's going to be a real serious deal. So, there's, um, there's that nice kind of spectrum of female characterization in this episode. It goes from the 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 childish joey donna josh love triangle shit here through to the sexualization like the sorkin sexual thing with ainsley <laughs> to a truly world-class that's my actress new, that's my new orientation <laughs> sexual
1: <Sorkin-sexual. laughs> Who
0: man <laughs> um and then you know CJ just CJ is always great and she does her her job yes. pretty well with the cop in this one
1: yeah um with so her, her she makes a deal with the capital beat guy gives him an exclusive in exchange for the whole cop thing from earlier so like CJ um has has good work throughout the episode I think she interacts with Ainsley at one point two uh but yeah cj CJ is back to redeemed from whatever doghouse slight which she was in for the last episode
0: yeah so that's about it for the plot generally. We haven't touched on the major crisis. That the oh, we haven't
1: talked about Ed Bagley Jr.
0: So there, we haven't talked about two major political issues that come up, which we will do. And I will mention sort of the plot point of it. One, the crisis that I mentioned earlier that Leo comes into the state dinner or excuse me, the State of the Union after party yes. thing. There, yes, the whole sit-room situation sit room that situation. we have only
1: alluded to and not actually no. delved into. So yes, there's that. that one.
0: And then the reaction to the president's language during the State of the Union being tied to an earlier public address where he goes after the environmental lobby that we explored, I think, two episodes ago? Last episode. Okay, in the last episode, it is actually the tied in. through into the state of the union speech where he continues to sort of antagonize this. So we'll take a brief break right now and we can dig into both of those things. In addition to sort of the, um, aforementioned, um, running to the center because they all sort of revolve in that.
1: They
0: jungles, alive by the, fire the major political uh, plot line that takes up a large chunk of the runtime of these two episodes revolves around this Colombian DEA crisis that occurs and we get Leo pulled out of the State of the Union dinner to go address in the situation room. So
1: yeah uh, before well before we dig into it, I want to make a brief point about what is Leo's level of authority here? Because mm. he, he is the point person for basically all of this, other than one brief moment where they get Bartlett in the actual room to uh, to draw up, like, plans or whatever. But Leo is operating with an authority here that seems too high.
0: Presumptuous, like, just, yeah. Yeah,
1: like, this is a level that, like, Cheney operated at under the Bush administration. I don't think the chief of staff can, like, can have this much authority.
0: Well, and you'll notice who's conspicuously absent throughout the entire episode is the vice president. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not I don't know if that's just because the they either. can't get him back
1: yeah. or like, it feels like they use Leo in, in like, this should be the vice president doing this kind of thing. Um, or maybe that's just a weird perception I have because of Cheney, like taking points <laughs> so much during the Bush years. And actually the VP should not be touching this stuff at all. Normally.
0: Yeah, I think, so, Leo, this actually, the entire issue winds up with Leo's, like, a lot of Leo's characterization here because, and I think this may be why he takes on this side of the issue, is because he's the veteran, he's the military right. guy. And we often hear about Bartlett has no military experience, Oh, so, wow, like, goddamn peace, love, and hippie. Right. Whatever
1: in, you know, very Clinton esque. Yeah, that and regard.
0: so we so we devolve the authority in these matters to Leo, although he reads the president in obviously and lets him make the decisions. So, yes. I think it's just by virtue of the fact that John Spencer's character is considered. Okay, to be so it's the, more
1: of a dramatic decision anyway. But I don't know; it just bugged me yeah anyway, no i think it's, go, his, go it's his responsibility
0: it would make sense for it to be yeah anyway, so it,
1: sh- it feels like there should be you know shouldn't the secretary of defense come in <laughs> yeah. or like like a why national
0: security advisor right you know, like why leo sense.
1: uh but yeah. anyway yeah so let's get into it uh so the dea agents have been kidnapped by uh colombian cartels essentially
0: yeah, so they describe it as the CRF and the last the F stands for Frente, which is, you know, what the the all these kind of radical groups end up having in their name because the Frente in this um, context is an analog for the FARC, which I can't remember what the um FARC.com? Yeah. <laughs> Who <Whew. laughs> no, um, there is a the longstanding, actually Colombian Marxist guerrilla drug cartels there is a there it was an armed militia like a literal army that lived in the jungle of Colombia for basically 50 years mm-hmm. um their their uh acronym is FARC so it's short for Fuerzas Armadas Revolucionarias de Colombia nice. so it's Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. So it was a just kind of a brief history thing. The, the quickest analog that I can draw is basically to the IRA um, with different origins for the, the break from the nation. Um, obviously, the IRA is much more about colonialism and religion. Uh, the FARC came out of Bolivarian communist traditions, Back in the 60s, um, there was a period of time in Colombia called La Violencia that was just like it it was chaos um, post basically a lot of the Marxist activity and revolutions in South America. So anyway, the FARC ended up consolidating itself into what was initially a legitimate political party and trying to engage with the, uh, the neoliberal consensus government in the 80s really trying and really getting assassinated a lot.
1: Oh jeez. <laughs> so, so after yeah, a while, so s- speaking of that, uh, so this, this whole thing basically, uh, not to spoil anything, but gets bungled, uh, oh, yeah, super big. Uh, <laughs> so they're, they're planning all these ops and different operations to, to get these de agents back from being kidnapped, uh, safely. Uh, and it all goes fucking up shit Creek without a paddle, Uh, and uh, ipso facto, we end up with nine American bodies, uh, that the president and Leo now have to deal with.
0: Yeah, because basically they, they are completely duped and there is a great scene of Bartlett melting down on the porch (laughs) of the Oval Office being like, we, we're the fucking, hegemonic superpower left on this planet. And we got tricked by a bunch of guys with a ham radio, like because <laughs> yep. they try this raid and they basically, there's nobody there where they try to raid. And then one of their helicopters gets shot.
1: down. Right. Turns out uh being <laughs> world police sucks. Y'all Uh don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> so maybe the, the, just didn't help. Don't have DEA agents down there to begin with. It's not our fucking country.
0: <laughs> and, and honestly, what's really, what's interesting is that, This was en vogue at the time the show was being filmed because there was a distinct period of both U.S. collaboration with the government of Colombia via the DEA and an uptick in, frankly, once all these guys got tired of getting assassinated, they basically took to the hills and started, we'll call it recruiting, recruiting slash conscripting people until they had about 20,000 members under arms and like a third of columbia being considered under their control so like shit thousands of acres of columbia so this is actually historically appropriate to right around when the show was being filmed which is you know interesting from sort of an accuracy perspective and anyway oh
1: okay so well before we go any further i have to say that at one point when they're pitching options bartlett's like what would I need to just fucking invade Colombia right now? And the, and the one advisor's like, Mr. President, uh, you know what? Let's just get the whole clip.
0: What would it take to get him back? Alive? Yeah. Mr. President, uh, What would it take to wipe him out? La Yeah. What would it take? Mr. President, for the
1: kind of victory Americans are used to, for the kind of victory Americans demand from a war, you need a 10 to 1 ratio. It was only after we built up a 10 to 1 ratio in the Gulf that we felt comfortable making a move. Fenty has 20,000 well-armed, well-trained soldiers, each of whom has a financial stake in heroin and cocaine. We need to put 200 000 to 300,000 men into a jungle war, and I think we'd lose as many as half. Half? Yes, sir. He's basically (laughs) describing Iraq, like Iraq 2.0 or Afghanistan 2.0 right here. And Bartlett just takes like a very serious look on his face of like, "Mm, should
0: I? (laughs) Uh, And (laughs) like, eventually, in, in real world timeline, the FARC eventually just disarmed and tried to go back into legitimate politics again in like 2017. It was a big deal. So it's
1: probably good that we didn't Iraq 3.0. Yes, Colombia.
0: perhaps, because, you know, if you leave these people alone, eventually shit sometimes works out. Although I don't know enough about Colombian politics to really talk in depth about this.
1: I know enough to say that Iraq 3.0 would not have gone would not well. Have gone well.
0: well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of Iraq 3.0, how's Venezuela going
1: these days? Oh, achi-machi. <laughs> so, Please, anyway, coup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what happens with um, the the Leo tie-in specifically with the character where we're ending up wanting to go with this discussion is Mm -hmm. we get an extremely sort of you know we had leo's character have a nice face turn in the last several episodes where we got a lot more of the characterization of him as a real human being he gets to experience some emotions you know talk and have friends basically and somehow this series these two episodes turn leo back into the fucking blood gargling psychopath of the show yeah like
1: and then oh god and his whole speech about and this is sort of skipping to the end but it gets to me about bad intelligence and how we just got this one wrong Ugh. and like that sinks to the everything that's wrong with the fucking like imperialist hegemonic order bs of like no 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 we know what we're doing we just get some wrong every now and then <laughs> it can't possibly be that we don't know what we're doing
0: and we always had the best intentions you see right and it's clear it is so baldly portrayed In what is a nominally liberal, you know, people think of the West Wing. Yeah, people think of the West Wing as being like, oh, it's that bleeding heart hippie show. And there is the language that they write into Leo's mouth in these episodes is fucking crazy. There's an exchange between him and the president. You mentioned the thing like, what can we do to just wipe them out? Even before we get to that point, they're discussing basic... Like quick raid options is like rescue right just missions, to get the guys back in and just out, just to get the guys back. Stuff. And yeah. the president says, How many Frente casualties would this involve? And Leo just looks up and goes, Do you care?
1: Each Blackhawk has 10 Delta
0: commandos from special forces. How long? Five to seven minutes. How many Frente casualties? Do you care?
1: No, and the president, the president says, No. Says, no. no.
0: I, ah! and, endless screaming uh, and and leo goes off on this thing about being like this will not lead to a war we're already in a war it's a war based on drugs and and i it's it oh is God. truly you know and okay, he, and fine. he's
1: not portrayed as unsympathetic by the way like, he's portrayed still as being, like, a hard man who has to make hard decisions, who just, you know, we got this one wrong because of bad intelligence, you know? Like, we're supposed to feel sympathetic for Leo by the end, not that he's a fucking warmonger.
0: And it always it always comes down with this shit, where it's just like, nope, we'd rather spend... I, I don't know, well, obviously, in this, in this context, we'd rather spend nine American bodies and a fucking helicopter to rescue these... Clearly these people who are operating extrajudicially with the Colombian government to right. like kill drug cartel members. Right. But instead
1: anyway, of instead the of doing other option anything about it. Of diplomacy, yeah. which the one fucking guy keeps trying to beg the president for more time to do diplomacy and he's like, Hey, I'm getting somewhere with this. I think I can get them to release our guys without us having to fucking do a special ops fucking raid to get them back and the president just goes, like, No, you have three hours You know? Like <laughs>
0: So there's also – and eventually there's a brief interlude where the president – and this is in the second episode – sits down to breakfast with Sam and Toby and he goes on a monologue about how, gosh, you know, I inherited the war on drugs from my predecessor and he inherited it from his and he inherited it from his and he bitches and bitches and runs down statistics about like black men in prison about, you know, whatever addiction statistics – and then it's just left there to fester it is literally the most like
1: so so do you want to do anything about that mr president
0: (laughs) yes excuse me mr most powerful person on the face of the planet what the fuck are you going to do about it and turns out what he's going to do is send is fucking violate sovereign airspace with two helicopters and get nine people killed
1: like yeah great 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 job (laughs) thumbs up all around blast back kudos (laughs) And we get everyone.
0: Th- this all wraps up by with him talking to the president of Colombia on the phone, saying, "Hey, you could like. Th- there's an option that we could release this incarcerated general that the Frente is demanding be released right. to give up these it would hostages. Be a big,
1: yeah, it would. They, they would probably <laughs> you know reciprocate in turn, etc.
0: And and I don't remember why I wrote this down, but there's some sort. Of <laughs> There's an exchange between him and the president on the phone where I just wrote in all caps, hang on, what what the fuck? Harrison Ford isn't in this show. Get off my plane. Because there's something about, like, what the fuck is the name of the movie where he's, where Air Force One gets yeah. uh, commandeered. Oh, it's because. It's Air Force One. It's Yeah, because they're releasing a general in that show as well for a for a guerrilla group <laughs> oh, releasing a general from prison in that show. I have never it's actually like, seen Air Force holy shit. One, funny enough So yeah um what's his name who plays commissioner Gordon in the new Batman movies um who plays Zorg Gary in, uh who plays Zorg in Fifth Element Gary, Gary Oldman. Oldman Gary Oldman wants a Russian general released from Russian prison that's much his, like That's his hostage yeah, demand Yeah that's his hostage okay. demand So anyway um <laughs> they so this wraps up with that dialogue on the phone, and then, like, President, the President gets a bit of what's the point of being a superpower if I can't just unilaterally oh my invade God. shit?
1: God, <laughs> he literally says that. <laughs> We're not exaggerating, and like, okay, on the one hand, like man to man, I get it. I, I get, I could see saying that if I was president. but on the other hand, shouldn't you look at yourself afterwards and go, Jesus Christ, what the fuck did I just say?
0: And like, yes, you do have to ask yourself that question, dude. You probably should be asking it every single day of your administration.
1: Yes. Like, you have the awesome power uh, of God. Like, yes, be responsible with it.
0: And So then it basically, the the show, the second episode ends with Leo going on this monologue about, like, getting Intel wrong. And I would have gone back in time and not gone into Vietnam. And then it's sort of like, there's a very serious, like, heavy. Ultimate boomer thinking. Yeah, there's this heavy thinking (laughs) face thing. And we get it cut with bodies coming back into Dover Air Force Base. Right. Like the the flag-draped coffin thing. And that's it. That's it. We... I don't know the, what happens.
1: The end. The, the you end. Know, We all have a sad now.
0: <laughs> so uh, that is that is the far and away the most weirdly, like, almost... It's just,
1: I think, I don't know if this is time capsule or this is just Hollywood liberal or this is just disaffected centrist or whatever this is, but this weird... I just don't get it. My mind can't wrap itself around this like love of imperialism or this love of like hard men have to make hard decisions that cost lives like what this is heroic this is noble this is compelling television like it just it, I don't know it just doesn't resonate with me
0: yeah the the premise almost it just kind of slides off me it's like well okay well why don't you just not fuck it fuck it up like what is I yeah why were they down there to begin with <laughs> yeah
1: why is no one asking that question
0: and did did nobody think it could end up in this scenario like no. what is the only
1: good things ever happen yeah just yeah, yeah. was just why we have nine american bodies to deal with at the end of the episode because of the only the good outcomes happen sometimes you don't roll a critical fail the
0: the only good dea agent is dead dea agent kidding nsa please we don't like, endorse political violence like, on this like, show thank you as, as
1: someone as someone who plays D and i'm sure many goons listening can relate to this this really just feels like a D mission gone awry because someone made some bad rolls like oh we had planned it out really well but then our fucking helicopter just rolled a nat one man and it just fucking crashed <laughs> so what somebody... can you do man dice gods you know dice gods <laughs>
0: somebody had a nat one on their d20 and oops it's off the rails
1: Uh, you know we had the best intention and we planned out the best, but sometimes you know, five percent of the time, shit just <laughs> crit fails.
0: Yeah, so
1: uh, that's kind of the
0: big a thing yeah. with yeah Columbia. We can take a break, and there's one more political issue that we really want to uh, make sure <laughs> we include, and
1: it's an issue powered by the sense of my own self-satisfaction. Aren't you coming in?
0: I prefer a vehicle that doesn't hurt Mother Earth. It's a go kart powered by my own sense of self-satisfaction. <laughs>
1: okay and we're back uh so the final thing that we have barely talked about other than i mentioned his name is another guest star they really went all out for this two-parter getting guest stars and recurring guest stars all all out of the works uh is none other than ed begley jr uh playing what i essentially want to say is the west wing version of bernie sanders
0: pretty right? much he's from north dakota yeah.
1: Yeah, like, you know, he's not from Vermont, but he's he's the leftiest senator in the Senate, essentially. Uh, and he's coming to a lunch with Toby um, to discuss uh, one of the things that was in the third State of the Union speech, which is announcing the formation of a blue-ribbon bipartisan commission, uh, and that's another one of those phrases that should set your hackles on edges, uh, to look at reforming Social Security. And when I say reforming, I do not mean making it better.
0: Yeah, never, never do, really.
1: Yeah, uh, for some reason that conversation never seems to happen, um, which is something that Ed Begley Jr.'s character. Uh, what what's his character's name? Does it matter? Senator I don't Gillette. Care. Gillette. All right, I'm calling him West Wing Bernie because <laughs> he's effectively West Wing Bernie. Uh, West Wing Bernie basically says that like this bipartisan ribbon commission is a fucking load of shit, and we all know that it's just going to lead to you compromising social security with the republicans and you're either gonna one raise the age that you have to be to receive it or two you're gonna cut benefits and either of those is completely unacceptable because we're the fucking democrats god it
0: yeah and so he's like we we have heard his name in whispers before um i believe as sort of like a reference to like the real the real kooks out there right in, in the legislature but correct we we finally see him here and he's he's a crusader like he's all out. yes
1: yes and uh he has the 100 percent right co- position on this and it's extremely prescient because this was written way back before obama actually tried to do this uh and formed the fucking what is this called the simpsons bowls commission yeah uh which it did literally this it explored the possibility of reducing Social Security benefits uh, by either raising the retirement age or by cutting benefits. Uh, And it was going to be a great bipartisan compromise, a great grand bargain, uh, as it was known. And then, fucking, uh, we were saved by the goddamn crazies on the right. Uh, The Tea Party basically said that it wasn't cutting Social Security enough, and they vetoed it. Uh, That's kind of blowing up the whole deal. But, uh, But this is actually extremely extremely weird foreshadowing slash predictive writing here uh because this is something the democrats actually did
0: yeah and it was something that um that i low-key barack obama like hangs his hat on being like i was going to be that guy who of course will use you know rhetoric that says fixed social security or secured Mm -hmm. the future of social security but those are all code code words for fucked with and for made it shittier. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And I I specifically remember and I'm a huge fan of kind of calling this back, there's a poster, what's up, C spam, named Willa Rogers who was reviled in D D in like 2009, 2010 oh, yes. for going I- on these rants about how Obama was a piece of shit, how he was going to fuck with seniors, how the cat food commission was going to fuck over all the old people in the uh-huh. world. And she was 150% right every single a, a fucking, fucking time. cassandra like it a cassandra
1: was of her time
0: dropping in here to add that Willa was also 100 percent correct about the way that the akko had been fucked with and didn't work for healthcare. and and she's still around and still posting which is amazing that she bothered to stick around through the raft of shit she went through so what yeah. up Willa? i don't think you actually listen to our podcast but i salute you
1: <laughs> we we feel you anyway yep. solidarity uh and so so ed begley is ripping into toby Uh, For all of this, basically just saying like, you know, if anything, we should be expanding Social Security. I have a bill that calls for like raising benefits. And Toby's like, yeah, your bill has 18 votes; it's not going anywhere. Um, As as a counter, and then uh, he's like, and then so Toby says, "Hey, if you try to attack the president on this, uh, we will come come after you." And and then so White West Wing Bernie counters with. If you come after me, I'll run third party, and I'll fucking destroy your candidacy. And, and, Toby just responds, and we'll, we'll play the clip here.
0: Come at us from the left,
1: and I'm gonna own your ass. It just, like, and the worst part is the show makes it seem like this is such an epic own, and, like... And, oh, look at him deal with this fucking weirdo lefty in such a smug, dismissive manner. But, like, you haven't actually disproved anything.
0: Yeah, and they, the words that Senator Gillette Westwing Wing Bernie says are all correct and good and right. The manner in which they make and write his character say them plays directly into the, like, sneering ivory tower right stereotype
1: and so even though he's fighting for the people exactly with what he's doing
0: and so like you you get this signaling just by virtue of the actor's performance that it's you're, you're meant to empathize with toby in this situation even as toby basically completes the heel turn that we've yes. been discussing over the last several episodes yes. he, where he, has is now, gone,
1: he has gone full-on centrist like he, he, he's now just no part of him of that shit. is left. is actually on the left anymore uh and he now he views anyone attacking him from the left as a mortal enemy to be dealt with thusly yeah it's super fucked up it's this is this is the show that obama staffers (laughs) lionize folks
0: (laughs) yeah it's somewhat inexplicable
1: fear into your hearts
0: Yep. so
1: oh man that's but yeah uh Hagley jr as always delightful uh we love you in your Simpsons cameo forever yeah. in our hearts.
0: <laughs> and that's about it at this point. There was a lot going on in these two episodes, but we wanted to kind of bring them together because they are, I mean, it's basically one long episode. Nothing gets resolved in the first one. The second second yeah. wraps everything up. It would have been so, a disservice
1: to, to split this yeah. up into two episodes, even if this one ran particularly long. But we definitely hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank yeah. you, as always, for listening. We we always appreciate your li- your likes, your follows, your listens, your comments, your questions, your concerns. Any sort of listener engagement just makes us both thrilled. Uh, so yeah. feel free to reach. You can out. reach us in the
0: thread. Yes. Yeah. Or in or by email. If you found us some other way, uh, you can email the show at the worst sixty nine at gmail dot com. Nice. Which is nice. <laughs> um,
1: um, the next episode is entitled. Uh, actually wait this is the war at home this is the second part of that episode uh the next episode is ellie um which is about uh marijuana decriminalization hell yeah 420 (laughs) places
0: um Um,
1: (laughs) and Woo. and the president's daughter uh (laughs) ellie bartlett um and and stuff she has to say about the demon weed
0: ah yes so that'll be next week Thank you again for listening. Um, we appreciate you sticking with us through our rambling on this one. Um, we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. I'll send all bye, bye. The money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on